You know what time it is? It's the conversation time. And do I have a magnificent conversation for you today? I have with me the one and only Mr. Danny Glover. He's an actor, humanitarian, an activist, and just an all around bad, bad to the bone in a good way, <laughs> a human being. I have had the pleasure of growing our relationship, our friendship over the years as we both supported the one and only Senator Bernard Sanders. Brother Glover, how you doing tonight? And I'm doing good. It's good. Good to see you, Sister Turner. Uh, Senator, um, I'm doing good. And, and certainly a pleasure and honor to be here in conversation with you. Thank you. And you are just as busy as ever. I mean, you just don't stop. You are indeed better than the Energizer Bunny. I mean, you just keep going and going. And so, you know, certainly you are an award winning actor. But more importantly, as I introduced you, you are an activist, you are a humanitarian. What sparked you to really care about marginalized people? I mean, what was it? Who poured that into you to actually care for things that are greater than you? Well, sometimes uh, uh, there's a saying, uh, Charles saying, may you be born, may you live in interesting times. <laughs> I was born at a, mo a moment where around me was enormous change happening. It's post-World War II, uh, a conversation, new conversations with the whole idea of desegregation. Uh, we, we know Brown versus Board of Education. 1954. I remember that I was I was 19. I was eight years old, and I remember the conversation around it. I remember um, the Montgomery bus boycott the year later, and I, I and I am looking at a nine-year-old through not only my my limited scope as a child, but also from the way in which my parents embraced that moment, the way in which they every single night sat on the edge of their seats waiting to hear or listening to what was happening. And their attitude in, in, in an interpretive way provided the uh, a great deal of, of, of my understanding. And, and they were postal workers. So they were also involved in, in the union, the postal employees, United Postal Employees. They were involved in that union as well. So I would often, I would often think what I was termed as the civil rights movement and the movement, the labor movement that they were involved in as, as continuous. They both were, I couldn't distinguish between the two things. Or they're both synonymous would be the word. Both of those things were synonymous. And for them, as young parents, I think that represented, for them, their own, uh, I would just say, uh, coming into a citizenship and responsibility that goes with citizenship as well. Yeah, you were. So it, begins, very it begins with them. It begins with them, definitely. Yeah, and I'm not surprised that you would say that. I mean, certainly in our conversations over the years, you lift up your parents and also your grandmother as yeah. well. Yeah, my, um, <laughs> we, we both my, talk about my, our grandmothers. It, it, it was, um, you know, in, in her world, uh, in a small rural Georgia, um, uh, she was quite extraordinary. 
and because she was she a midwife. She was a midwife, yeah. She's a midwife. And, and they still talk about my grandmother. My grandmother was born in 1895 and lived to be 99. And she would receive calls in her 90s, as long as she retired, for her to deliver someone's grandchild's baby, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But she was trusted and she was the matriarch of that community. So you can say, in a lot of ways, I come from these very pronounced, strong matriarchal lines. And yeah. I, now the, the men weren't shabby. You know, I had to, <laughs> my dad, we wanted to. My dad, for me, was one of the most beautiful cats that I ever met in my life. My dad, and 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 it, we 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 became buddies, partners, and, and everything else. And it was the best best thing to be, uh, best relationship to have with your parent. That you have such a long, continuous uh, respect, love for them. That at one point in time, you're no longer their son, you're their partner. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that is quite, I mean, quite a blessing for both you and them. And you coming from activist parents, I mean, it's very clear that your parents did not sit on the sidelines. They were very much involved yeah. in the civil rights movement. Yeah, and my mother, my mother was the regional president of the National Council of Negro Women. The Mary McLeod Bethune statue that stands outside of the, their building right now. Yeah. My mother's chapter raised more money than any chapter in the country, and so that that is that is that is how a, a, a rural uh, the daughter of sharecroppers who began to marry a sharecropper found found her way um, through college. Uh, and and also in, in in the city that she she chose to stay in after my father was discharged from the army at the end of World War II was the city that I live in the city that I she loved and my father loved and where they they grew they grew in their own time and space you know and as I lived in the city of San Francisco my entire life except on occasions in New York. And um, outside of the state on one other occasion, but I've lived in the same city and virtually the same neighborhood since I was 11 years old. So, <laughs> that, that, I mean, you definitely have deep roots in that community. You know, you've often you often tell a story, you share a story about how it was important, education was important, you know, to your parents and how they said, "Look, we we're doing all of this uh, so that you don't have to." Um, to have you talk about. Uh, being able to be in the room with people who had the share crop makes us to know and understand that this is not some ancient history. This yeah. is very much recent history. Can you share with the folks who are joining us on this journey that beautiful story about you know why you were able to get the education that you obtained? And it is because you had parents that wanted to ensure that your life was absolutely better than theirs. Well, you know, my, my, my parents, even though the my mother was a graduate from Payne College, she taught a year at the high school that she went to in Louisville, Georgia. And then right away, my mother would have probably gone back to school if she didn't want to start a family. She would have gone back to school and and become a teacher. But but there the um, the the way in which she was so grounded in 
in organizations and organizations that that in a sense were moving the Richter scale along along the pathway to justice. And and they were lifelong members of the NAACP. Um, they were uh, uh, also um, uh, very active in their labor union. And those are the examples, but the, 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 it's the conversation that I was around. I, I remember just listening to the, the conversations. And now we're talking about the, the, the post office, United Postal Service, which at one point was uh, quite significantly made up of African-American laborers, yeah. workers. And yeah. that, that was one of the post-World War II, even though there have been African-Americans working in the post office since the end of the Civil War. Even it was that moment where this expansion, and I believe as we think about the, um, as, 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 as King talks, uh, Dr. King often talks about Carlisle, and he says, no lie lasts forever, quote from yeah. Carlisle. <laughs> and, and you found the civil rights movement, or as Reverend Barber refers to, as the second reconstruction being a moment that, that our parents came up with in and, and, and were part of and, 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 and sort of laid the great groundwork for whatever was to come uh, that has come since then. That each generation makes its own history, as Paul Robinson said, and it's judged by the history they make. I and, answer that. And it's judged by the history they make. So we all, each generation does that. And I, and I saw it in, 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 in the various ways and opportunities that were available to my parents. I saw them and witnessed them as they used those tools as, 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 and, 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 they're, and they're birth, birthing themselves as citizens or as extending, extending themselves as citizens. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. So the legacy, I mean, is really rich and robust. And to be able to have someone like you to recall that, to help to remind us that we were made, we were birthed through a struggle that absolutely never ends. And I like to say that each generation is charged with advancing justice for the and next. It's so. all, it always. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Whether, whether it's me and, and me in the 60s, you know, as a student, uh, as a student at San Francisco State, I was part of the Black Student Union and on the Central Committee of the Black Student Union. And we were, um, along with our allies and brothers, Chicano brothers, Latinx brothers and sisters, uh, Asian brothers and sisters, uh, progressive whites and African Americans put together and First Nation people banded together, formed the coalition to lead a five and a half month strike at San Francisco State University in the fall of 1968. And brought about, what that strike brought about is the first school of ethnic studies in any major college in this country. Ethnic studies, not just African American studies, but Latinx studies, First Nation people studies. Asian American people studies, and it was, and, and, and also women's studies is a part of that as well. We were instrumental in that track, and, um, and I think a great deal of my view 
of the world and my relationship to the view of the world. Uh, and certainly a further extension, a further extension of, of my connection to the work that my parents were, were capable of doing is and it was it's so important for me as I began to uh, choose often the struggles I think that are important, whether it is mass incarceration, as, as we talked, as we speak today, it's major important, important, and issues around education, the work that I had the, the proud opportunity to be involved with, with Brother Bob Moses and the Algebra Project, and all those people who were of SNCC, the SNCC legacy, who supported that work. Remember, we had young people, Bob Moses, uh, Stokely Carmichael, Diane Nash, they were young, and they, they were doing exactly what they felt that their generation needed to do at that particular moment in time. And at some at some point challenging their old thinking. You know, that's right. They were down at they were down in Mississippi. They were down in Macomb, Mississippi. They were down in Alabama. They were all in the Jonas, they were all there. And, 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 and their generation spoke to the need for action, the need for transformative action. And that was a part of that. Yeah, what a mighty coalition. And as you named all of the various groups from First Nations to African Americans to Latinx to Asian, I mean, all of us, all of us are necessary ingredient to the to advance justice. It makes me think very much of the 21st century version of the progressive movement that was sparked by none other than Senator Bernard Sanders. And you were on that trail in tremendous ways, both in 2016 and also in 2020. I want folks who are on this journey with us right now to know that you drove straight across South Carolina. It was you, it was Dr. Cornell West, myself. I mean, I don't think anybody has spent more time in South Carolina than <laughs> during the 2020 election. You know, I thought that was our second home, but we went up, we really went in there to engage people on a on a very Deep level, and even though the results from the yeah. election did not exactly. reflect you know, that, we were there. We were yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the other part of fortune that I that I mentioned and mentioned before is the role is, is that that I, I spent a great deal of time uh, as as a, a young child uh, in the deep south with my grandparents. You know. Who were farmers, uh, who were able to um, to to purchase their own land and everything. So then there was, even though I was born and raised in San Francisco, there was a, a, a great, viable and 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 passionate relationship that I had to my grandparents. You know, and and that was what that's was what my mother ensured. That's what yeah. my mother put in place. She said, right here, these people right here. They're the most important people in the world for me, you know. Yes. I'm here because I am where I am because of them. And she, 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 you know what I'm saying? And without them and the courage they had and the choices they made, the sacrifices that they made, I would not be here where I am. Yes. She was very yeah. clear about that. You know? Amen, that connectivity, you know, there's a saying, I am because we are. You, you know, and exactly, exactly. Yeah, your parents embrace that. The community yeah. certainly embrace that, and we need to continue to embrace that. And speaking of, I am because we are. 
you joined some community members in San Francisco to really fight for uh, the museum, the, you know, the Fillmore Heritage Center, I should say. And you gave a wonderful speech of encouragement. But basically calling on the leaders of San Francisco to give that to a nonprofit as some sort of uh, reparations. Not only uh-huh. did you do that, but you testified uh, before the Congress recently for Hotfield. Yeah, for HR 40. Talk to us about that. Let me, let me, let me, t- I'm gonna tell you and talk about, first of all, about my relationship to what is considered the San Francisco film area, was considered Harlem West. That's what they okay. referred to it. It yeah. was a, a very small, significant community there, uh, artistic community, business community there. And with what was called redevelopment, they chose. At the end of World War II, by the end of World War II, that they had targeted that area, the Western Edition, they had targeted that area for to be gentrified. As, as a, as a, so all those people who had come into their, uh, who, who used that, that community as a platform, as a, as, as a, a, a model and everything else, and where artists live, where People own small businesses and everything else. And there was a community of action there, you know, and, and, and an active community too. From the stories I hear and from what I've read, it was active community in the 30s, in the 40s in San Francisco, because that community grew and everything else. Well, the redevelopment came. And, and, and certainly redevelopment was not, not only what redevelopment did, it tore or removed all those beautiful uh, 19th century housing uh, and 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 use that as a platform to 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 ha- use large large companies, large construction companies, to now became the beneficiaries of that. They rebuild that, and so, so it, was really, that, it was it was really an assault on the fabric of the community. It was a, a definite result. But the, the thing about it is that even though I was at at the at the cultural center, that they were that that, that is, is in flux. What's going to happen with it and everything else? Whether it's going to go on the bid, going to be on a market for 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 just someone to bid on. No one knows what's going to happen at this particular point. But here we fight, fighting. In 1966-67, with the Western Edition Community Organization, I was at those meetings in 1966 and 67 and 68. As a student, I was at those meetings. When at that meeting, we were fighting for a community. Now we're fighting for a building. Yes, that's the, that's the tragedy of that. And that that, that gentrification or redevelopment happened all over the country in our communities. It provided it it it, it provided an economics. Uh, stimulus, in some ways, it provided jobs for and, and 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 not only employment but also contracts for those people who didn't live in the community. They didn't rise out in that community. They had no connection to the community, but they were the major beneficiaries of that. And there's a sprinkling of some housing of those people who are descendants of those of those who who put forth the battle in the late in the mid and late sixties and everything else. So that's on one and one hand, and we 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 have talked about and just came from um, 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 I just came from Illinois 
at a reparation conference. Uh, uh, and and and, and there's, there's so much conversation about that. The whole idea of, of reparation, of repair. We use the word repair. You yeah. know, historically, the black community has been devastated by all these different kind of moments. You know, and not only do they splinter our leadership, so they find just those people who really accepted the new reality is that the new reality has to be as they say, and that we have no voice in that new reality. And so that new reality is it's a challenge. It's a challenge for us now, even in our areas, as we see now, my neighborhood that I live in, that were primarily African Americans who came there, who had jobs at the post office, was able to buy homes, affordable homes, you know, and, and live those and keep those. But what they were, what challenges or what opportunities they had, they couldn't pass those opportunities down to their children. They weren't the sure. jobs that were available. It wasn't the working yeah. class jobs. And the way and it becomes so expensive in, in a very small city, a city that's only seven and a half miles, 49 square miles, for African Americans there. The population of African Americans has it has decreased steadily. Yeah. Over 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 the period of over the last 40 some years. So for the sake of what some would call advancement. Uh, communities, the fabric of these communities, the quilt, you know, quilt comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. The fabrics of these communities have been disturbed and disrupted purely for profit without any type of regard for the ecosystem that was created by said community and people are being priced out. And you know, Mr. Glover, this is happening all over the country where people right, who yeah, have yeah. been born in a place whether it's San Francisco, whether it's Manhattan, whether it's Chicago, whether it's Seattle, I mean, you name it. The yeah, people who yeah. were born and raised there can no longer afford to be in these places because of gentrification and this whole mindset that the working poor do not deserve dignity, do not deserve to have their own place. That this is all about unfettered greed and they, they meaning those who benefit from this type of system, do not necessarily care or show what I call an indifference uh, to the communities that were originally there. And you have certainly been on the front lines of that. I mean, we had the speech, you know, the uh, what you were given uh, to the people who are fighting very hard to have that heritage uh, center given. Well, to the you, black I, like I said, I'm, uh, Sister Turner, I've lived in the same neighborhood since I was 11 years old. Uh, some of those, some of those families that grew up across the street from it, they were able to retain that property and 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 uh, and keep that within the family. But that's not often the case. That's right. And um, uh, it's it's um, it's one of the and tragedies, you know. No one it talks is, about and, that. And public policy can fix this. Yeah, you know, public yeah. policy can fix this. It is public policy that oh, yeah. is allowing Absolutely. corporations to come in and just wholesale buy up communities without regard to the original people that were there. What keeps you up at night? I'm sorry. What you say? I said, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> what keeps me up at night is basically 
figuring out what I'm going to do tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I That's totally what I'm understand gonna do. that. That's what I had yeah. to do with tomorrow. And, yeah, well, and, well, speaking of what you're going to do tomorrow, I hear rumors uh, out there. Well, I've read these rumors that there will be uh, a lethal weapon five. Is that true? Uh, that 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 looks like the case somewhere. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I think I think Mel announced it uh, because he's going to direct it, and I I, I think uh, it's going to happen. You know, so I have something else to talk about. <laughs> I know I know you can't give away any of the family secrets, but for the people who truly admire you and your work, and just the sacrifices that you have made, brother Glover, people don't understand. That for your activist positions, you are activists, you know, both an actor and an activist. You have traveled all over this world, standing up on behalf of oppressed peoples, starting with this country, going into the African diaspora. You've been to Brazil. I mean, you have been Haiti, just all over the world, being such an incredible justice giant for each and every one of us. And we can never, ever thank you so much for all that you have sacrificed. And for what your parents and your grandparents have implanted in you, imparted in you, poured into you, for you to be such a magnificent humanitarian in the face of so much pushback. Love you, love you, love you madly, Mr. Dan Glover, who I call the the one and only. You are the original lethal weapon and uh, (laughs) looking forward, looking forward so forward to, to your comeback. We love you here at TYT. And that is it for us today. Please keep the faith and show enough, as my grandmother used to say, keep the fight.